Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Latte with a Lawyer. I'm your host, Jonathan Brickman, and this afternoon we have uh, Andrew Comer um, from the law firm uh, Fortis, Fortis Law Partners. In Denver, right? That's right. Good. Nice to nice to have you. Nice to be here, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. Um, so to kick off the show here, uh, our favorite question is latte with a lawyer. What's your morning beverage of choice? I, I usually start the day with a, a bunch of uh, just brewed coffee in my house. But if I'm out and about, it's an Americano. The uh, espresso hits different. So um, uh, that's what I go for. I keep it simple, though, in general. Keep it simple. Straight, yeah, straight black coffee. No, no, nothing in it. I throw some milk in there. I've been, it's like 2%. I've been trying all the different almond milks and oat milks and stuff, but I like, I can't get into it. I keep it pretty, pretty old school. Old school. All right. Good. Good yeah. stuff. Nothing wrong with old school tradition. No, no, nothing at all. As all long right. as I'm caffeinated, I'm good. There you go. Yeah. Um, all right. Good stuff. Well, let's, let's talk about your practice. Tell, tell us what kind of law you practice out there. Yeah. yeah, I'm a I'm a corporate lawyer. I have a pretty broad corporate practice. Um, about 50% of what I do is um, M&A. We represent buyers and sellers in the small and mid-market for the most part. So we help structure and, and bring deals to a close. That's, like I said, about half my practice. Okay. The other half is just a broad collection of um, corporate work that, that clients need on a real outside general counsel basis. It's ongoing work. So you know, debt equity financings, commercial transactions. Um, I even do some some trademark work. So if if businesses are starting up, growing, or just transacting day to day, uh, I help them with that too. So I get to delve into the deals uh, pretty pretty regularly, and then help clients uh, with their day to day needs, which is it, it keeps things interesting and it's it's a good balance. Okay, good. What uh, how's the M and A market look? I would imagine it's pretty active right now, given valuations dropping. Yeah, 2021 was crazy. 2021 was, I think, the biggest uh, or the busiest year for for deals across the board. You know, big deals, small deals, medium-sized deals. COVID really reshuffled the deck. There was a lot of liquidity, a lot of money floating around. Um, a lot of boomers decided they're getting out of the out of the the game and out of their business. Other people too. Um, 2021 was so busy, and then 2022 it slowed down a little bit with. Um, money being more expensive, Fed tightening, those kinds yep. of things. But it was still a, it was still a good busy year, um, just not as crazy as last year, which was really the high water mark. Yeah. What what kind of deals are these? These uh, private companies, small, and you said uh, mid cap type firms. Yeah. So we uh, we represent almost exclusively private companies. We have one attorney here who does uh, public company work, but I, I deal with private companies. Okay. Exclusively. And so uh, we represent both buyers and sellers and we're pretty industry agnostic. Uh, I have some tech focus if I had to, if I had to pick one particular focus, but we're, we represent service providers, manufacturers, people in the cannabis space, people um, uh, developing and selling software, you name it. We're, we're pretty much able to do it um, in, in the, in the private deal space. Okay. Yeah. Where's the most activity? Where are you finding most of the activity? We we've seen we've seen a lot of appetite recently for like um, 
you know, pretty traditional businesses with good, with good cash flow. Like people have moved away from some of the tech deals. And just like the, the public markets have moved toward, you know, good, reliable businesses, businesses who are, you know, in the home building space or landscaping businesses or manufacturers who have reliable products that may not be the, the sexiest thing in the world. But again, they're, they're going to be around for the next hundred years and are manufacturing things that people need or providing services in the home or to businesses that, that people really need. People have gotten away from some of the um, more, you know, fast moving software or yeah. um, green deals, those types of things, uh, which we saw a lot of, you know, in 2021, it's, it's a little more, people are looking for more reliable, better valuation businesses now. Today, but tomorrow won't be that way again, right? I mean, th people yeah. always fall back when the markets get tight. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's been an interesting time. Twenty twenty three is going to be, it'll be a really interesting year to see, you know, whether we kind of continue this this downtrend that we're on, or whether we we pick back up. The predictions kind of run all over the place. It's, yeah, it's, what do you guys think? What do you see? What, What's what, that? Do you, what are you seeing? What do you think? I think I think twenty twenty three. I think it'll be okay. I think as long as interest rates don't get too out of hand. Um, Things will be okay. Just like buying a house, you know, if if a lot of the a lot of deals are are financed with debt, and so you know if debt's more expensive, people people pause or are people a little more thoughtful, a little more careful about what they're buying. Transactions are slower. Um, it's it's similar to buying a house. You know, you buy a business, but you're a little more careful about it. But people still want to do it if it's a good deal. It's a good deal, and people find a way to do it. So I think things are normalizing. I think COVID and 2021, like I said, was you know, was really busy and things will just normalize. It'll feel slower, but I think it'll be okay. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and it is the, the word normal is the right word because we've been living in abnormal times for 10 years with, with free money. I mean, that's just not, that's not normal. Yeah, it's, it's not. And so I, you know, uh, my dad and others remind me of what interest rates used to be 20 or 30 years ago. And they're still shocking to me. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, 6% or whatever for a home or, or 10% for, um, a business loan is, is, is not too bad at, historically speaking. Yeah, it's really not. It's, it's really not. So how, how'd you, how'd you get into this uh, type of work? Take me, take me through that journey. Yeah. I, I went to law school wanting to be an environmental and a water lawyer. There's a, a Water lawyers are popular in Colorado where I live. So um, I thought I would do that. And then I, I wound up taking um, some business law classes that I really liked. Um, and I, I, I took an interest in it. And my first year, my first job out of law school was at a, at a nonprofit in DC. And it was an environmental nonprofit, but I didn't do a lot of environmental work. I did a lot of their corporate work. Yeah. And so, you know, doing that, managing the board, the, the corporate transactions, um, we did some M and A too, even in the nonprofit space. That that really that really uh, firmed up my interest in in being a business lawyer. And uh, I moved from there into private practice, and have been there uh, last eight or so years, and really enjoyed it. So yeah. it's been kind of a you know a lot of law students don't really know what they want to do, or they change course. And I I did that. Um, I'll be a business lawyer for the rest of my career, but that's not how I started out. Oh, interesting. And, and, and you said, where'd you start? You say you went to Boulder. I say, obviously you're, you're a Colorado guy through and through. Right. And, uh, and what, 
I mean, how'd you make the decision to even become a lawyer? Yeah, I, I, I knew from like an oddly young age that I wanted to, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then when I got to law school, I was like, maybe I don't want to do this as much. Law school is, law school is hard and it was challenging and it's so different from practicing law. I really enjoy practicing. Yeah. But, um, the, the law school part of it was, was not so fun, but I really, I like the intellectual exercise of, I, I like to read a lot. I like to think through um, different arguments and approaches. And I really like working with clients. I like solving different problems every day for people. Uh, I like, I, I really like having a, a different job every day, different clients every single day um, who need things and, and, you know, really digging in and thinking hard about, you know, how to best structure a deal or how to help them get the most out of a, a transaction or how to bring on investors the right way is a lot of fun. And it, it really, it, it suits my brain. It suits my sort of disposition. I just, I just like meeting those challenges and I'm maybe a little bit ADHD. I like bouncing from client to client and deal to deal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'd thrive in house so much, but um, it's, it's fun tackling those things. Got it. Got it. Um, and so you, how long you've been doing uh, corporate law work? So you made that transition pretty early. You've stuck with that. Yeah. So in, in some, in some form or fashion, really, since I graduated in 2009, um, it's been in private practice since 2015. Um, so uh, not that long. You're still yeah. young. You're, you're still yeah. Young, so yeah. Yeah. I feel older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> it ages you a little bit. Yeah. What, what's, give me, what's the most exciting deal you worked on? We, in, especially as part of the COVID era, we did a lot of deals that were, that felt like fire sales. We had a software company that we had to sell in four days or something like that mm. because it, they were, they were struggling a little bit and they found a really good, they found a really good buyer. We had, we, we also had some dry cleaning businesses that, that sold as part of the COVID that, that those were businesses that really got hit during right. COVID and they sold um, because they really needed to. And they were exciting in that, in that they were fast moving. There were a bunch of those deals in 2020 and 2021. Um, and they were fast moving and they were really good results for the client where they got out of businesses that didn't have great prospects or they really needed to get out of for other reasons. Um, so those are the deals that stick with me the most, the ones that like, you know, the client really needs something quickly, really needs something because there may not be other opportunities out there. This is their nest egg, their baby, and we've moved fast to help them. Those are the, there have been a few of those and um, it, it's rewarding because it, um, again, it's, these are the biggest transactions of people's lives. Sure. And, you know, what may be like a Tuesday for me, you know, I remind myself every day that like, these are the, these are the biggest business transactions people will probably ever enter into. And when there's an urgency to them, they stick out in your mind because you know how important they are to the to the sellers in particular, not so much the buyers often, but usually to the sellers when you're working in these kinds of deals. Yeah, I mean, listen, particularly for like a dry cleaner, I assume a local person, that's a big transaction for them. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah. you bigger, bigger deals that, you know, more larger organizations. Yeah, we do. So we we have some private equity clients who are, who are doing 20, 30, $50 million deals. Okay. And then we have, um, we have sellers who are selling on those kinds of deals to private equity firms or to strategic buyers. And so 
we'll do things that are in truly the small market. We, we really like working with entrepreneurs and business owners in Denver and really across the West. Um, and then we'll do bigger deals that are, um, you know, where there's a national firm involved or uh, national private equity or our private equity clients um, are, are making acquisitions. So it, it runs from, yeah, truly the small market to um, the, the large side of the mid market, I'd say. Okay. So it's, you like the action. You sound like an action guy. You want the action. So you like the fast moving deals. Yeah. Yeah. There's a deal junkie in like each of the transactional lawyers here. Like we all sort of thrive on that. It's stressful. Uh, you, you really have to dive deep into it, but um, it's, it's fun. And you, at the end of it, you're sort of exasperated and uh, tired, but um, it, it's, it's fun because it's so good for your clients. Usually they're usually so happy with the outcome. Oh yeah. How, how many attorneys at the firm? We have uh, 22 now or so that are full, full-time lawyers. And then we have a constellation of, of, of people who work part-time or who are associated with the firm. We've grown quite a bit. It's doubled in the, in the five or so years that I've been here. Um, we're about twice as big, oh, twice yeah. as many equity partners and twice as many staff and associates. Um, but we're truly a mid-sized firm now in the 20, 20 to 25 lawyer, depending on how you define it, space. Okay. And the core focus of the firm is corporate law? It's It's been a little more litigation focused, maybe 60, 70% litigation, and then, um, you know, 40% corporate transactional. So we're getting into balance. It used to be a little more litigation focused, but uh, we've got a busy transactional. Oh, practice. I see. Okay. So yeah. when you have a deal that needs litigation, you hand it off to a partner or do any of your deals get to that? Yeah, you hope not. But we, we, yeah. we, Yes, I try to stay far away from litigation and pass it on to them. It's uh, I'm trying to bring people together and not yeah. You know, I'll leave the fighting to other people. We got people here who can, who can do that. Okay, so you have no interest in in, in litigation, is that I, right? I'll send the odd demand letter. Um, you know, when I'm like really familiar with the deal or the issue, we can get a demand letter together pretty quickly instead of giving it to somebody else. But if it goes beyond that. Uh, it's somebody else's. It's somebody else's challenge. Somebody else's baby. You don't want to. You don't want to get involved with that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, it's yeah. good to. Know, it's good to know what you what you want and what you don't want. It, yeah. It, it, there's some lines you got to draw sometimes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. Um, so, what do you think the skills are that make you good or interested in what the type of law you're practicing? I think. Um, I think I'm flexible. I think I'm. I try to be. A good listener, dynamic. Um, I think you know each deal is each deal is different. That's kind of an overused slogan, but it's true. You know, each deal has its own um, its own set of challenges, its own individuals too. There are different egos, personalities involved. Um, it's high stakes for the people who are involved. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just try to be flexible and understanding of of where they're coming from, wherever that is. It may be a family business. It may be a business that's really thriving. It may be a business that's that's struggling. It may be a business that's selling software. Or maybe a business that's selling widgets. You know, and and you have to be flexible. And I think I think I'm that. Um, you know, trying to just meet the challenge, whatever it is, on a deal to deal basis, and not trying to fit my style or fit my preconceived notions of how things should go into the deal. Just taking what the client wants, what the clients risk tolerances are, those kinds of things, and and adjusting to that to get them the outcome that they want. 
Yeah. I mean, is it, where do you get stuck? Is it, is it usually come down to uh, the economics of a deal? Yeah. So a lot of deals have what are for the, for the bond deal listeners out there have what are called earnouts. And so um, those will be big thing where, you know, after closing a portion of the purchase price is paid sure. based on the business's performance and the seller no longer controls that business. And so how you deal with that, maybe 20% or so that's paid after closing and is based on performance that the seller no longer controls is often a point of contention. Employment can be a big deal too. So employees are coming along as part of a deal or sellers are coming along as part of a deal. They have to stay. And a lot of times employees, key employees don't want to go or they want changes to their comp. They want um, upside with, with the new buyer, things like that. Yeah. And so it's those, it's, yeah, it's economics. And then it's those personality challenges of like, you know, a, a business changes hands and um, it's a, it's a seismic event in a lot of people's lives. And so it's, it's not an easy thing always to, to smooth over. Yeah. No, I, I've been involved with a bunch of deals over the years and uh, it's always the people that are the challenge, right? It's, everything looks good on paper. You can make it look great on Excel or whatever. It's blending cultures together. That is challenging, right? Yeah. And so, you know, somebody, you know, a business in Colorado is some, is all of a sudden taking orders from people in Milwaukee or, you know, they've really liked the the supervisor they're working with and they know that that person is going to be on the way out. Those are, those are major, major issues. Like you said, you blending and, and dealing with those challenges is. Yeah. But that's not your worry after, after the deal's done. It's not my worry. It's not my worry formally, but I always like hearing that things go well, like hearing from hearing from clients a year or two later, you know, how did this go? How are things, how are things feeling? It's like, you want to hear that it's going well, you're still like invested in it on just a human level. Yeah. Do you get repeat business from these clients? You do. Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, we'll have one off sales. So people come to us just because they're selling a business and, and once they've sold the business, it's, you know, that's it. Um, but sometimes we have clients who have been clients of ours for a long time and they get acquired and the acquirer isn't going to make much changes, including to their legal representation. Um, so we'll stick with them even through an acquisition or we'll have buyers who come to us because they're looking to buy a business and then um, we'll help them with the business after closing, you know, with putting new contracts in place, dealing with employees, um, those kinds of things. So mm. sometimes they're one-off deals where you know, never, never heard from again. Um, but most of the time there's some residual work or often a lot of residual work. They become long-term clients because they like, they like the work we do as part of the yeah. deal. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. I saw I, you mentioned cannabis and I see it in your, uh, your profile, what kind of deals are you doing related to cannabis? I know that's a big business out there. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it's that, that industry has undergone a lot of consolidation. And so, um, we, we represent, we represent operators across the, the cannabis chain. So, um, you know, from, from growers to retailers, manufacturers, people who are in the packaging space, people who are adjacent to the cannabis business, yeah. you know, people who are like exclusively selling um, hydroponics or lights to the cannabis business. We, um, we work with them a lot. And the industry, that, that industry, at least on the M&A side, has slowed down because it's now, just like any industry, matured and uh uh, consolidated you know there are five or so big really big operators in Colorado who have scooped up a lot of the businesses a lot of the licenses um 
the laws in Colorado have gotten more permissive and who can who can own businesses and that's allowed for some consolidation and so mm. there's still m a activity there's still other transactions happening but it's it's firmed up a bit now um just like any industry that's, yeah that's mature is it can you ha is it one license or they all broken up into different parts of the of the business the yeah so you there are, there are different licenses for different yeah. different parts of the business. So you'll have a, a license for growing and for manufacturing. Okay. Yeah. Some states yeah. are like integrated, you know. Yeah. You, businesses will vertically integrate and that's typically, that's become the best model. Certainly sure. is, to, is to, is to control the business from, from seed to sale. Um, but you can have people who are in different parts of the business. Got it. That's what I thought. I think in the state of Florida, it's actually, you know, when you get a license, you literally, you know, from, front to back you you own the whole process yeah which makes it more difficult they're more expensive and right tougher yeah it's a tough business i mean the the tax laws are not friendly still you still have um you know it's still federally illegal which creates all kinds of like you know ridiculous headaches really because it's it, it's federally illegal but the laws aren't enforced and um the states are still trying to figure out how they're doing things the localities it's it's a tough business to make money in yeah 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 but it's 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 coming though, right? I mean, the the federal uh, overhead I think is going to go away, and it's going to continue to expand. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it's just it's in this weird it's in this weird place. I do I do trademark prosecution, and we still like companies can't protect their brands. So if you have if you've built this great brand, you still can't register a trademark in the cannabis space. Ah, no kidding. Like, you can do things that are adjacent. You can get clever in some ways, but like it's one of the, it's just one of those weird situations where we're like halfway in, halfway out. And like, you know, it's no way to run a railroad, right? It's just like, it, like, let's do this if we're going to do it. Right. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see the way that plays out. Cause there's lots of implications around it. You know, the, the money side of it, right. Lending. Yeah. Point, right. For, for, for cannabis businesses too, is challenging as well. Yeah, it'd be great to see them get real financing and to have the same access to money that that other businesses do. That'd be a big step forward. Got it. Anyone else in your family, lawyers? What's that? Anyone else in the family, lawyers? In my extended family, yeah. So I've got uh, um, folks who are no no real business lawyers, but people who are in uh, different businesses, public defenders. Um, uh in the family family truly family law um uh a couple different a couple different areas in the in the extended family but no immediate family who's a lawyer okay what would your advice be to someone who's thinking about becoming a lawyer what would you tell them i i think you should do it if you i, I think you should be all in you know it's it's there's a lot of you hear a lot of lawyers or you hear a lot of people who got a law degree because you know they say oh i didn't know what else to do or i liked the idea of being a lawyer or part of being a lawyer, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's three hard years in law school. It's sitting for a bar exam. It's taken on a lot of debt. Yeah. It's, um, it, it takes a while to really get your footing in the, in the business. And so, you know, I, I just encourage lawyers, people who are in college have come to me or I've talked to different folks about, you know, what, what's it like to really be a lawyer. And it, it, it's something that you gotta be all in on and you gotta have a good vision like I said, I changed my path within the legal profession, but um, it takes a, the best lawyers I know are really committed to it and love the profession. 
Um, if you want to just get a law degree, I, I, I'd hit pause and try to do something else for a while and then, you know, maybe come back to it if you say, you know, I really want to be a lawyer because I see someone who's really successful and I want to build a career in their mold, um, you know, not just because it's like something to do or something that you feel like you should do, you know, be all in on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did you go right to law school from undergrad? I did. Yeah, I went straight through. Yeah, it seems like everybody does that. But again, to your point, you know, get a little bit of life experience right before committing it. I don't see many that take a couple of years off and then go back to law school. Most go straight through, don't they? Yeah, I think I think the average starting age is like 24 or 25, but you still have, you have that, uh, you have most, I'd say, that are still yeah. going, uh, that are starting at 23. You right. Know, starting, going straight through. And I don't know, yeah, I don't know if that's the best way to, to do it. I thought that if I took a, a year or two off that I maybe would never, you know, would never return. And and maybe that would have been for the better. I doubt it. But um, I, I think it'd be good to have some life experience. The, the students who really thrive seem to have that perspective um, a lot of the time of like, you know, they they were sacrificing more too. They, they were often better students just because they had, they were giving up careers. They had started families and they were like, it put that like laser focus that, you know, I think some students felt like it was like the fifth year of college and that that wasn't the best mindset for something as challenging as law. Yeah. I said, I, I always wonder about that. I asked a question a bunch of you guys because, uh, you know, you go to business school to like myself. I mean, typically you take off two to four or five years before you go back. And it's usually a much more productive um, education, right? Cause you have perspective. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And overall, I think there's just too much, like seven years is, you know, other countries have a more, a more direct path to being a lawyer. Yeah. I, I would probably advocate for cutting the third year of law school or having it be more like apprenticeship focused, you know, having three years of three years of sitting with the books is, um, maybe not, a lot. I, people have talked about changing that for years and that never, they never get around to doing it. Yeah. It's interesting. You're right. I mean, three years is a lot, right? I mean, you're right. A year of like internship or like real life would be, seems like that would be a better way to transition into being a practicing attorney. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. There you go. That's That can be your mission. Yeah, yeah. I'll take up the cause. Make that happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> move Move this entire industry. There you go. Now, I, I, I talked to an attorney uh, on here from uh, Germany, and as you suggested, it, it is more of a direct path, and you don't have this law school. I mean, you literally, like, put your stake in the ground when you get started, and and, be, and you say, I'm going to become a lawyer. At the yeah. end of that, you, like, take a competency. To, if you don't pass, you, you know, you, you got nothing. Right. So you put your stake in the ground early, and you and you can start practicing law, but if you don't get those skills at the end of it, then you, you don't have that credential. So it's a different, different approach. Yeah, that would be a tough scene for sure. <laughs> yeah, I maybe there's some halfway point we can meet, but um, yeah, I, going, I mean, it's really seven years of school and it's just so much, it's so much debt now too. It's just so expensive. Like it's just prohibitively expensive. And I'm guessing we're, we're leaving a lot of people who would be yeah. good lawyers and good additions to the profession behind because seven years of school is so expensive. Yeah. Well, I would think, I mean, isn't, I mean, isn't there aid for people that are, you know, want to become lawyers, good students that 
don't have the means? Yeah, there is, there is um, certainly, but yeah, it just it, it's a little it's a little scarce. Yeah, it's scarce. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. And you went you went to Denver, right? University of Denver. That's yeah. a private. Is that private? Is that part of the system? Yeah, it's private. Yep, okay. private. It's a private school. It's a private school. I went to C Boulder Public for for undergrad. Um, but yeah, the University of Denver is is uh, is certainly expensive, and um, there are cheaper ways to do it than the way <laughs> the way I did it. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I'm I'm sure I'm sure it was a good outcome. It sounds like you're happy. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, listen, um, just final words that you want to leave um, about your firm and, you know, your, your practice and the best way to connect. Yeah. Um, well, my, our, our firm is really a full service business law firm. We are focused on Colorado, but we've got um, clients across the country and we're licensed in all different states, especially around the, around the region. We're, um, we're focused on small and mid-sized businesses, entrepreneurs and investors that invest in those kinds of businesses. And uh, we just love working with people. I think almost all of us are big law escapees and came here in large part because we just wanted to work directly with people and with clients. And so everyone really tries hard, especially me, to um, it, or it's something I particularly care about, you know, just being accessible and being easy to work with, approachable. Um, and, and so if people want to reach out, my number is 720-921-1371. And yeah. I'm A. Comer at FortisLawPartners.com. And um, would love to just talk to people. I love just hearing what people are doing and trying to help them, even if they don't want to be clients. I love hearing what people are up to. So good stuff. Yeah, that's great. All right, good. Excellent. Well, listen, it was good to hear your story and learn what you guys do. Um, for everybody, again, uh, Andrew Comer, Fortis Law Partners. And this is uh, sponsored by Emotion Track, which is a legal tech platform. And we basically provide uh, mock jury trial insights with our digital platform. So thanks again, Andrew. Uh, enjoy the uh, new year. Yeah, happy new year, Jonathan. Happy thanks new for year having to me you. And uh, let's hope for a better 2023. It's going to be good. All right, We're good. optimistic. Good, excellent. All right, good. Thank you. Okay, see you, Jonathan. Take care. Bye.